0: Welcome to episode 38 of The Postcast. It's nice to be back after a couple of weeks off, and we have a few more episodes for you in 2017, and that starts today with John Steinbrader as he talks about his recent trip to New Zealand and the Asia-Pacific amateur, which was at Royal Wellington Golf Club at the end of October just a couple of weeks ago. So without further ado, here is our interview with Steiny. And uh, now we welcome on to the Postcast, Global Golf Post senior writer and travel editor, John Steinbrader. John, when we think of New Zealand golf, I'm, I'm sure our audience is thinking of key players like Lydia Ko and Sir Bob Charles and Michael Campbell, but uh, it's also an underrated golf destination. You're recently there, and there are some tremendous venues in, in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the best golf destinations in the world. I mean, if... If I were to talk to friends of mine and they'd say, you know, give me the top four or five, I mean, I would certainly put New Zealand in the top five. And the golf is great in some places. I mean, really great with Tara Eady. this new Tom Doak course with Cape Kidnappers, another course that Doak did for Julian Robertson. Uh, Kari Cliffs, another Julian Robertson um, uh, property up north, uh, in the north near the Bay of Islands. I mean, those are three of the better golf courses in the world. They're perennially ranked. Uh, Tariti's new, so it's just ranked, but the other two have been perennially ranked on the top 50 of the world. And then there's a tier right below that of Royal Wellington, Kinloch, Waireki, Jack's Point, and uh, the Hills down in Queenstown, which are really excellent golf courses. So uh, you can play some terrific golf there, world-class golf. And also, there are a few places in the world you can go to with your sticks and also have so much stuff to do off the course uh, that is wonderful and exciting and interesting. There's great wine in New Zealand, so there are wine tours you can do. There's trekking, there's glacier hiking, there's skiing, there's uh, unbelievable fly fishing, uh, and a lot of uh, really nutty stuff like parachuting, parasailing, bungee jumping and things that I try to avoid assiduously as I get to the ripe old age I am now. But uh, it, it sort of has something for everybody. So it is a great golf destination. But what makes it an even better destination is there's so much you can do there aside from golf. Plus, it's you know a, a beautiful, a naturally beautiful country, great craft beers, great coffee. Great outdoors and just sort of a small town feel throughout the entire nation.
2: Diane, tell us what the difference is, if there is any between the golf courses in New Zealand and the United States.
1: Well, you know, there's there are four hundred courses in New Zealand. Uh, I've probably played fifteen of them now and two trips I've had down under uh, there's not. I mean, the biggest difference really is because you have your parkland courses and you have your link style courses and Taridis very much are links and and kidnappers and Kari cliffs. While they are not true links um, like a Kings barns let's say or something like that outside St Andrews, they're very much set up to play like a link. So that's that's kind of cool. But what I really love about New Zealand and what's really different about it is just the flora and the fauna. Uh, this is a a part of the world that has got Trees and flowers and plants and animals and birds like nothing anybody in America has ever seen before. So it's really kind of cool from a standpoint of being on this golf course. It's feeling a little bit like you're in a very familiar place because it's a great golf course, but also that you're in a really different place because it is got terrain and and vegetation you've never seen. And they're birds that that look like they were created by, you know, Dolphus Huxley on mescaline. You know, they're so (laughs) colorful and bright and weird. And and it's you just sort of turn around and look, and you can't believe that these things actually really exist. It's almost like walking on the set of Yellow Submarine sometimes. It's it's so vivid and so colorful and so different. And that's what I really like about it. The golf is similar in different places, but it's a sense of place and where you are that really makes it stand apart. And again, I, I can't say enough about all you can do, uh, before and after your rounds. And there's just that idea that this is a, a really unique place with just an incredible diversity of activities for the traveler.
2: If, if someone were to tell you that they wanted to take a buddy's trip to New Zealand, what details would you give them? Um, how long would you go for what courses to play? Things of that nature.
1: Uh, you got to go for two weeks. It's a long way for those of us in uh, the States, for those of us in Canada, for those of us in the UK, Europe. I mean, it's it's a big trip. So it takes a full 24 hours from the New York area to get there. Uh, I, I would imagine it takes that long to get there from London. So I would allow two weeks just to get the most out of it and to give yourself a time to kind of acclimate and... and um, you know, and enjoy that I, I would say that you've got to play Carry cliffs and you've got to play Kate kidnappers you have to those are must play courses Royal Wellington is a great course uh, Wellington is the capital of New Zealand it's at the very southern end of the North Island it's a um, a beautiful walking city it's right on uh, the water uh, there's some great botanical there's some great um, buildings to see that uh, you can walk around there. It's a really cool kind of spot. So, those would be my first three courses. I would sort of line up and Kidnappers and Kari Cliffs also both have these beautiful lodges, 40 to 50 uh, maximum capacity that uh, Julian Robertson and his and his wife built and and set it up. And it's. The, it's impeccable service, it's it's great amenities, it's great location, and you and couldn't be treated better. And then, you know, I would then go down to Queenstown and, and play uh, the Hills and Jack's Point down there. Queenstown is kind of a funky uh, town. It's right on this lake. There's lots of outdoor activities there. It's got a great vibe to it. And the golf is really, really good. There's great skiing down there. There's great trekking down there. So if, if you were to do, do a trip, that would be, me. to me, the ultimate trip. You know, go to Auckland, play Caracliss and Kate Kidnappers. Uh, there's a place right outside of Auckland called Windrose Farms where they just had the LPGA event a little while ago. It's a Lynx course right outside of Auckland. It's really, really good. Uh, Kate Kidnappers is down by Hawks Bay. There's unbelievable vineyards down there, really uh interesting city called Mapier, which was destroyed entirely in 1930 by an earthquake. So it was rebuilt in the 30s in almost totally an Art Deco style. So it's one of the greatest examples of Art Deco um, architecture in the world. And it's it's a really nice place to be. And then you go down to Wellington and do that, and then down to... Um, queenstown in the south island and you can fly around a little bit in the country on Air new zealand they've got great carriers you can't believe that there is no security in new zealand on domestic flights you don't go through metal detectors you don't open your bags you check in half you check in a half an hour before your flight and get on the plane (laughs) i mean it's unbelievable and so it's really easy to get around when you were there and what i found was really cool too on this trip is on our way from uh kidnappers up to uh, Windross Farms and, and in that area we uh, came upon what they call a country golf course and I forget the name of it it's in the native language, the Maori language so I can't pronounce it properly but <laughs> it's basically a bunch of sheep farmers and it's you know $10 for a round of 18 holes there's an honesty box there they've got um, competitions between the sheep farmers called stockies versus cockies and uh, it <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's just kind of a really funky, old way to enjoy golf between playing these really swell resorts and these really nice courses. So that, to me, would be the perfect itinerary. I'm ready to go. How about you, Cassie?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm all on board.
1: <laughs> Let's go now. <laughs> no, it's a wonderful place. It's as good a golf destination as you can get. And I, I just, I've been there twice, and I've enjoyed uh, both my trips here immensely.
0: Let's uh, move on to the Asia-Pacific Amateur, which was at Royal Wellington sure. a couple of weeks ago. And uh, like the Latin America Amateur, it's a, it's a fairly young event. Um, how have you seen it grown over the past few years?
1: Well, the most amazing thing about this one, and I've, been, I've covered seven of the nine Asia-Pacific Amateurs, the first one was in 2009, I believe, and, uh, or 2010, actually. And what's most amazing about it is the development of golf in that region in that period of time, especially among the Chinese golfers. When this place, when this tournament started, China was way behind a lot of other countries in terms of the development of golf over there. I think golf going to the Olympics has helped. Uh, Other things have helped. You've had two Chinese win uh, the Asia-Pacific Amateur prior to this year. You had Guan, of course, who won in 2012, and there was a big um, made a big splash at the Masters the following year, becoming a low amateur, making the cut. And then you had Chen Jin won it, uh, two years ago, 2015, in Hong Kong. But what was remarkable this year is uh, it was not only won by a Chinese kid and a kid who lives in Beijing and takes uh, lessons with his, you know, Boyd's subways uh, from Scottsdale via video. Uh, they Skype and they do the golf uh, work that way. But he's, you know, he lives in Beijing and he's going to be going to University of Southern California in two years. But unlike some of the other uh, kids who've done well in this tournament, he is not going to school in America and for the top five from China. So that was the thing that sort of knocked me out is the overall development and the elevation of play over there, but also especially uh, you're seeing the Chinese really come on as as golfers. And it's going to be something to see where they are in another five or ten years on the pro tours because... Uh, they really made an impact this year at the uh, the AAC.
2: And I'll I guess I'll ask you about another uh, Chinese amateur golfer, um, Andy Zhang, who who was the Asia Asia Pacific Am runner-up. Um, you wrote about him two weeks ago on Global Golf Post. A terrific young talent. Um, and just to refresh people's memories, Zhang played in the two thousand and twelve U.S. Open. Um, was the youngest player ever to play in that, and then he is now a sophomore at the University of Florida. Um, Steiny, how much of an impact will he have in the amateur game in the next few years with how much talent
1: he has? Well, he's got a lot of talent, and and just so you know, which I can't figure out, his name is spelled Z H A N G, but it's pronounced Jong, J O N G. So. Um,
2: well, for, I think that'll the, be news to everyone.
1: News to me. News to me, yeah. But, but, you know, Andy, Andy's an incredible talent, and he's a very precocious kid. And so far as, you know, his father took him to the driving range when he was six or seven years old. And the reason his dad took him there is because Andy had a weight problem, his dad felt, and there were tennis courts there, and his father wanted him to play tennis and lose a little weight. And Andy didn't like tennis because he said it was too tiring, so he went to play, hit some golf balls, and after about three times, There's a teacher there that said, you've got a great swing. I want to work with you. By the age of 10, he'd won the U.S. Kids World Championship at Pinehurst. At 14, he's playing in the U.S. Open. And I'm not sure what kind of an impact he's going to have in amateur golf after this year, only because I think he may be turning pro after this year. I think when his sophomore year is done at Florida in uh, the spring, I think he may be headed to the uh, PGA Tour, the Web.com Tour, wherever he can go. And give that a shot. He feels that confident and that good about his game. And, you know, it stands to reason. I mean, the kids, open, he finished second in the uh, Asian Pacific Amateur. He's going uh, to, I think he's in the final qualifying series now for the Open Championship this summer. And I wouldn't be at all surprised see him turn pro and, and try to play some events this summer and see if he can't get his card one way or the other through sponsor exemptions and things of that sort.
0: John, we know about Australia's ability to develop talent. You just mentioned China as well. What other countries in that part of the world have uh, stood out developing talent? Because we, we see countries like Thailand and India starting to really produce some some kids who can really play.
1: Well, New Zealand, uh, they did not get anybody in the top five, but I think they had five golfers in the top 15 or top 14 Pacific Ambitors. So they, too, are developing some really good young golfers. Uh, you're right about, you know, India as well, Thailand a little bit, uh, you know, Korea. The men are starting to come on a little bit in Korea. You know, slowly but surely, you know, where there's a middle class where there's opportunity to play golf, uh, these players are starting to come up right now. And this Asian Pacific amateur has been a big impetus to that. The Olympics with golf, uh, being in the Olympics right now has also been a big impetus to that. There are a couple good players in the Philippines as well. Uh, but what you're seeing with this Asia-Pacific Amateur, too, are people from Cambodia making the cut and, and countries that are never going to be, you know, golfing strongholds, or golf strongholds, I should say, but, you know, that are still finding ways to to excel and, and, and compete in this game right now. So I'd look out for the New Zealanders for sure. I'd look out um, I'd look out for the Koreans as well because there are some good Korean players. and The Koreans have won a couple of the Asia-Pacific Amateurs as well. And uh, but I just look out for overall strength in some of these nations as golf continues to become a bigger, bigger in sport in that part of the world. And, and they're taking advantage of it. And like I said, the quality of play, you know, 10 years ago when this first started, I think this was this was the ninth Asia Pacific amateur. But so when it first started, they were, you know, very good, maybe top 15 Top twenty players in the tournament were quite good, and then there was a definite fall off. And right now, sixty some odd kids made the cut this year, and I would argue that you know, you know, the top forty are really good players. Really good players.
2: Yeah. Well, we really like hearing that that game is going global, and I think I can speak for Sean and I. I wish this flight went so far because after this conversation, I really want to go on a golf trip to New Zealand.
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's so worth it. And what's great about it is you mentioned buddy trips. It's a great buddy trip. There's no way you're getting out of town and going away for that long or that far away without your spouse or significant <laughs> other. And, and what I what I think is so cool about it is, for example, uh, my wife doesn't play golf, but this is the sort of trip that it would be great fun for us to take with a couple of other couples and have people who play golf enjoy the golf. And people who don't play golf enjoy things off the golf course, and then everybody enjoying stuff off the golf course. There's no shortage of stuff to do. And, and I kind of described it to a friend of mine when I was there as one big – sort of boho community i mean you know i feel like you know new zealand is a is a great big bend oregon it's a place where people are really active they love the outdoors they love their coffee they love their craft beer they love their wine they love their good food good natural ingredients and it's just got a great vibe to it which is so pleasant and so appealing and remember it's only 4.8 million people in the entire country there's just a mellowness to it uh, and I hate that word mellow, but it's it sort of feels that way. It's just, you take, it just she take it takes everything down a notch. So find a way to do it really worth the trip.
2: Wow, well said, John Stanbrader, thanks so much for joining us. We hope to have you back soon.
1: Can't wait. love being with you guys.
2: And that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week. Please follow us on our social media feeds, including, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Global Golf Post and you'll be able to find us. Until next time, for Sean and I, hit him straight.
1: See you later.